Father, I want to thank you this morning for sending your Son, Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for offering up your body for the Father's will and that you came, you lived a sinless life, you were the perfect sacrifice. When you offered yourself as a sin offering on that cross, the Father was satisfied. You satisfied the requirement of the law, Lord. You did what man could not do. And because of that will, Lord, uh, you have made a way for us to enter back into your presence, Lord. And I thank you that as we're here this morning, gathered in your name, Lord, we, we are able to enter into your presence, Lord, because of what you did. Lord, would you help us to understand more fully the enormity of what you have done, the access that you've given to us individually, corporately, as a church. You've made us priests. You've given us the honor and the privilege, Lord, of coming into your throne room at any time without going through all the rituals and all the different things that were required by the law, Lord, You made a way for us to simply come boldly to the throne of grace. The inner sanctum, the place where You dwell, Lord. You've given us access, Lord. God, help us to understand the value we have, the the invitation that is always there before us, Lord. Especially as we're here in this world. Especially, Lord, as we deal day in and day out with the cares, the burdens, the realities of living in this fallen world. Our own weaknesses, our own flesh. Lord, thank You. You've made a place for us. We can enter in to Your courts. We can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can dwell with God in the midst of living our lives still bound to this earth, Lord. You've made a way. You've brought Your throne down to earth. God, somehow help us to grasp again the enormity of this and help us to take advantage. Help us to long and desire to be in that place with You all the time, but but definitely, Lord, in the quiet hours of the night, Lord, in the night watches, in the times, Lord, where we could simply get away with You alone. So, Lord, would You draw us this morning in that way through Your Word? Would You speak to us? Would You help us to understand this reality that You have accomplished for us so that we could truly have everything we need, Lord, so that we can endure, so we can persevere, so Your presence is ever with us and going before us in everything that we do. So Lord, help me this morning to convey Your heart to all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't you guys go ahead and turn to Hebrews 10. And I'm going to read from verse 16. And what I want to title, I guess, what God wants to say to us this morning is a new and living way. A new and living way. Speaking of the New Covenant, the the writer of Hebrews says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. 
I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. And then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new, a living way which He has consecrated for us, through the veil that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And again, Lord, help us. Help us to understand the reality of what is spoken in these verses. Help us, Lord, to more fully enter into this new and living way that You've opened up for us in Christ Jesus. Into that holiest place of all. The place of Your presence. The place where You dwell. You have given us access. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm so thankful this morning. I have access, personally. It really is a refuge from this life that sometimes just comes in all around us. The burdens, the, the things that weigh us down in life. God wants you to know you have a place to go. He has made a way for you to enter into His presence. He's always there. The sense I got last night and yesterday was God speaking to me saying, I'm here and I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you in a secret place. I'm waiting for you in a place that I have made for you, that I've given you access so that you can come into my presence anytime you want. I am a refuge for you. I am the peace you're longing for. I'm the strength. I have the grace you need. I will calm the storms of your life. I will rid you of the anxiety that this world creates or, or the fear that maybe the headlines and the news propagates. In my presence is fullness of joy. And in the knowledge of my love and my care for you, I cast out perfect fear. I mean, I cast out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And I'm personally thankful I have a place to run. But I think we forget sometimes. I think we, we lose sight of the tremendous access we have been given into the presence of God. Individually, but also as a body. Even when we gather together as a body. The reality that God has made a way for a people when we come together to enter into His throne room. That heaven actually comes down to earth in our midst. My prayer really is that this will become more and more and more real to us. So that we expect it so that we long for it, so that we're pursuing it. So what the Lord says, seek my face, we'll say, Lord, your face I will seek. Under the Old Covenant, we're going to be looking at that because really to understand what Jesus has done, we have to look back to the Old Covenant because the Old Covenant was constantly pointing to the better. Under the Old Covenant, we have all kinds of types of what was coming. What we have now. All kinds of types. Um, all pointing to what God would ultimately accomplish through Christ Jesus. And the wonder of our salvation. And what we have been given in the work of the cross. Speaking of the New Covenant, in Hebrews 8... He says in verse 10, 
And this really is the same thing spoken in that those verses in Ezekiel 36 that the Lord gave us back in August. But he says here, now this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind. I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. None of them will teach his neighbor nor his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me. All will have access to me. All will have access into the place that Moses, where he spoke face to face with God, where the high priest could only go one time a year into that holy of, of place. Everyone will have access into that place where he dwells. They will know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant. He's made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And I'm going to continue on here in Hebrews 9. And I want to touch on some things. Because God wants to make this real to us this morning. Hebrews 9, verse 1 it goes on and it says, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuaries. Things that God had implemented. Things the people had to do to approach this holy God that was in their midst. And it says, For a tabernacle was prepared. And in the first part, part was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid with sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. And those two parts spoken of here in these verses were only places where in that first part only the priests could go in there. The people couldn't go in there. And then in that holiest of holiest place, the only people that ever had access there, Moses had access all the time. Moses was able to go in any time he wanted. He was the only one that had that privilege. And I want you to wrap your mind around this. We have something better than Moses. You've you got to try and wrap... Moses... Talk to God face to face. Moses spent time in God's presence so much so that when he would come out of that presence, he was glowing. There was a leftover glory on him. It's a picture of what God really wants to do in our lives. That as we are beholding, as we are in his presence, he wants us out in the world shining forth his glory. Just like Moses had the leftovers shining forth from Him. But it came from that inner sanctuary. It came from going in to that place God had invited Him to. So the two parts were only where the priest could enter, and but there was also an outer court that I'm gonna, we're going to talk about as well. That's where the people could go. That's where the people would come and they would bring their sacrifices. So I want to talk about that part too. You could call it an atrium or the outer court. But in this outer court where only the people could come, or the people could come, there was a bronze altar. It was the first thing the people saw. And they understood to, to approach this God, there had to be a sacrifice for their sins. It was the first thing they would encounter. There were continually sacrifices made there. And so the people were being taught the proper way 
to approach God. There really is no other way to approach Him. We need a covering. There has to be a sacrifice. There has to be forgiveness of sins. That bronze altar symbolized the judgment of God on our sins. Something had to be killed because of man's sin. Then there was a bronze laver which was located between this altar and the actual tent. And this was used by the priests who used it to wash their hands and their feet before they were able to minister the holy things in the tabernacle. And it symbolizes the sanctification, the cleansing of the washing of the war of the world, the Word. It symbolizes the confession of sins. It even symbolizes baptism by water. That cleansing that has to take place before we approach the Lord. So once the priests would do that, they would now enter. And I want you in your mind's eye to imagine yourself going through this process. You're now entering the first part of the tabernacle. You're entering into uh, where there's a lampstand. There's a table of showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And this table of showbread was located on the north side in the holy place. And there were loaves placed on the, this table, uh, six rows. Uh, two rows of six, and it represented the twelve tribes of Israel. And it, 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 it was a picture of the provision of God, the spiritual nourishment that God gives to His people, and the communion also between church and Christ. Then there was a lampstand on the wall on the south side. This utensil was to illuminate the holy place. And the priests had to continually keep their flames lit with olive oil. The lamp was a type of Christ who was a light that came into the world, who lights the way of His holy people. There was an, an altar of incense in that holy place, right in front of the veil, right before you would enter in to that holy place. And it was symbolizes um, prayer, praise, worship, a, a sweet aroma. That incense was burning morning and evening on the altar. And it represents a Christ who is interceding day and night for us. Now we come to the holy place behind the veil. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was, the Holy of Holies. The ark was like God's throne on earth. It was where God's presence dwelt among His people. It was where God spoke to Moses. Aaron, in his office as high priest, and all the other high priests that came after him, again, could only enter that place once a year on the Day of Atonement to sprinkle blood on the mercy seat that covered that ark. And that ark was probably the most significant object in the Old Covenant worship. It was just a box that was overlaid with gold. It had three things in it. A golden urn holding the manna that God fed them with in the wilderness. It had Aaron's staff in it that had budded. And it had the tablets of the covenant. They were all placed inside of the ark. And like I said, it was covered by the mercy seat. And then there were two cherubim facing each other on that mercy seat. And when God came down, His glory rested on that mercy seat between those cherubim. And I want you to think about that because those cherubim are mentioned in another place. They're mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. And they're standing at the entrance to the garden, but yet 
with flaming swords, and they basically are a picture of man being banned from that place where they walked with God. But now here they are, a symbol of that on this mercy seat. But when that blood is applied, when they see the blood, God's presence is once again available to man. So those same cherubim that once were a flaming sword that barred the way to God, now are there. And I, I thought about Peter when he's talking about our salvation. And, you know, you have these two cherubim looking down on the blood and they see man once again able to approach God. But yet, more than that, and we'll get into it, what Christ has done, the mercy seat in heaven, and the angels are looking at that in awe of our salvation at what God has done for us. The depths of our salvation. If we could just grasp a tenth of what God has really done. We would just fall on our faces. We would gladly let go of this life and all the cares when, if we could fully understand the access we have been given, the inheritance, what Christ actually accomplished for us. Our salvation that angels get a little glimpse of and want to peer into because they're in awe of it. God was making this so real to me yesterday because, you know, we get overwhelmed. We get bogged down. We even get upset with ourselves, right? Sometimes that we're letting this life rob us of what we know is our true reality, our true joy, our true hope. And it's like the Lord was reminding me yesterday, I have a place to go. He was calling me. He was wooing me. He was, he was inviting me into that holiest place of all. And when I got there, and, and you have to turn aside to do this. He, we have His presence all the time, but there's something about going to that place. Moses had to go to that place. Jesus went out to a mountain. Jesus would spend sometimes all night in prayer. He would go out, it says, to a solitary place. He had access to the Father. He longed to be with the Father. All day he was with the disciples. He was healing. He was casting out demons. He was teaching. He was dealing with the Pharisees. And in his heart, he longed just to be with the Father, just to have intimacy with Him, just to be alone with Him. That's how my heart felt yesterday. I just want to be with you. I just want to rest at your feet. I just, I just want to gaze upon you. And that's what I did. That's how I prepared for this message. I didn't study a whole lot. I felt like I just needed to look at him and just meditate on these verses. And the more I did, the more he was just I just became in awe of, of the access I had. And, and as His presence became more and more real, I knew this is it. This is it. This, this is what I need. This is what's going to get me through tomorrow. This is what's going to help me love people. This is what's going to help me reflect His glory. This is what's going to get me out of the way. Just being here with Him. How did Moses do it? How did he do it? He had access. He would go. He would get alone with God over that mercy seat. He would get instructions. Even at one point, he said, God, I need to know you. Show me your glory. And God revealed his glory to him. And it helped Moses when he was dealing with these rebellious people to have his, God's heart because God had revealed himself to him in that place. He knew who God was. He knew his heart. And he was able to intercede. He was able to ask God or to remind God who he was. Not that he needed reminding. And it's found in that place. And God is calling us to that place. 
He's calling us all to that place. We have a new and living way behind the veil. God will meet you there. God will meet you there. He waits for you there in that place. It's a promise. He will commune with you there. In Exodus 25:22, he told Moses, "It's there I will meet with you. I will commune with you from above the mercy seat, between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I give thee in, in the commandment unto the children of Israel." And we see in Numbers 7, verse 89, that God was true to His promise. It says, when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak to him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim. Thus he spoke to him. Because that mercy seat was sprinkled, It gave him access. It gave us access back to his presence. Again, that ark represented the place where the Lord meets and communes with us. I thought about Esther and the reality of God's throne that I've been given access to. Esther became a queen in a, in a foreign land, a pagan kingdom. And a decree had gone out to destroy, basically, God's people. And the people began to pray. Her uncle began to pray. And she began to pray and fast. And she knew there was only one hope for her people, and that was to go before the king and plead with him for mercy. But you couldn't just go before the king if you weren't summoned before the king. This is an earthly kingdom. But there was something about entering into the king's court. You just didn't do it haphazardly. You didn't do it without an invitation. And she knew that. She knew that if she didn't find favor, she could be executed. But she went in anyway. Because she basically said, if I die, I die. And, and that needs to be our attitude. If I die, I die. There's souls at stake, at stake. And she went in. And I'm sure the whole throne room hushed. And the king sat on his throne, and he had a scepter in his hand. And he lowered it towards her, which meant, you're welcome. She found grace. She found favor. And he said to her, Ask of me what you will, and I'll give you up the half of my kingdom. Well, God has promised us more than that. And I want us to think about what the children of Israel had to go through to enter into that holiest place of all. What the high priest had to go through to enter that holiest place of all. It was a very dangerous thing. People would die sometimes because they did it haphazardly or like um, Aaron's own sons, they, they offered profane fire and fire shot out and it killed them. There's an aspect of God's holiness we don't understand. You can't just come into His presence. There has to be a covering. There has to be a way made. And that's what all the rituals, that's what all the sacrifices, all the things they had to do in the Old Testament was a temporary way. It was a way to give temporary access, to make temporary atonement for the people. But it was a foreshadow. It wasn't sufficient. It was all pointing to what Jesus did for us. And Moses really is an example for us. But again, like I said earlier, a lesser example. But it says here in Exodus 33.9 that when Moses entered the tabernacle, 
that pillar of cloud descended and it stood at the door of the tabernacle. God's visible presence. And the Lord talked with Moses. Again, he went in. He would maybe pray for himself. He would wait for instructions. But when he went in, God was there waiting for him. And again, it was something Moses was in desperate need of. He needed to be in God's presence. He needed to commune with his God. We need to be in God's presence. We need to commune with God. I'm still amazed. Or it still makes me wonder how someone who names the name of Christ, someone who professes to know Him, could have no time in their Bible, no time in prayer, yet claim to know Him. It's impossible. God's made a new and living way. God's whole purpose in saving us was to give us access back to Him. Salvation is to know Him. It's to be in a relationship with Him. It's for God to once again dwell with us. To be in us. To walk as Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the cool of the day. That's what He longed for. That's what He wants with us. That's why He's always tugging. That's why He's always beckoning us. Come away with me. We get so caught up in earthly things. We get so distracted when the God of the universe is beckoning us to just come away with Him. Why would He do that? Why would He make a way like that for us if He didn't long for us to know Him, to to be reconciled back with Him in that intimate relationship, to be one with Him, to impart things to us that He wants to reveal of Himself, to complete us. He wants a personal relationship with you. We were created to have fellowship with Him. Communion with God is the consummation of all blessedness on earth as it is in heaven. I want to look at three things just we can learn from this verse we looked at in number 7, verse 89. It says, When Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, thus he spoke to him. If you feel God tugging at you, if you know, if you've truly been born again, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you, He's going to woo you. He's going to convict you. When you're turning to other things, when you're looking to other things, what only He has for you in that place. He longs for you to come because He has things He wants to say to you. He has things He wants to reveal to you. He has plans He wants to show you. He has things He wants to give to you. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you. And He wants to send you out like He sent Moses to deliver people. To lead them out. But we have to do what Moses did. We have to first get into the right place. It says Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with God. In other words, he got away from the people. He went where he could be alone with God. One thing I am learning in my own life, listen, I'm thankful. I can turn to God all day. I can pray in my truck. I can pray on my motorcycle. I can pray when I'm at the store. I'm so thankful. I can take His presence 
with me wherever I go. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit dwells in me, and inside I can be talking to Him all day. I'm very thankful for that. But that does not compare to when I can get away with Him. When I can enter His chambers with Him, where there's no distractions, where it's just me and Him, and we can spend a few hours together. And what I'm learning is that's not going to happen during the day. We have so many examples in Scripture. And so it forces me to learn how to redeem my time and to learn how to get myself in the right place so I can have that time with Him. Because without it, I become dry. I become weary. I lose sight quickly of the things that matter. I get bogged down. I get anxious. I burn out because I'm operating in my own strength. There's no anointing on my life. So I have to make time. I have to get up early before the business of the day. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in Jesus' own life. Why would He go at night to pray? Why would He go to a solitary place to pray? To get away from the distractions. So we have to decide, do we want to seek Him when He says, seek my face? Are we willing to put away foolish things or things that don't matter to make time for Him? Sometimes it means not sleeping as much as we would like. We have to get into the right place. To speak with God, we need separation. A lot of times I'll ask people, you know, do you have a prayer time? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I speak to God on my way to work. Uh, good. I'm glad you do that. That's good. But do you sit at His feet? Do you get up in the wee hours of the morning and just sit still? Do you meditate on His Word for a half hour or an hour? Do you quiet yourself so you can hear His voice? Sometimes it, it takes me a few hours before I can settle my mind and get quiet, and, and then finally He starts getting through to me. And I'll just tell you, it just takes one word from Him sometimes, and it's enough. And it's like, Lord, you're there. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Why do I neglect this? You're here. You're here. I don't need anything now. I don't care about anything now. I'm not worried about anything. You're here. Just one word. Sometimes it's, I'm here. That's two words. I'm here. Don't miss out on that. Don't neglect the way He has made for you. Get into the right place. Jesus often withdrew, it says, into the wilderness and He prayed. We're going to need this more and more if we want to walk in the Spirit. A life in the Spirit cannot be lived in the flesh. And we're going to need this more and more and more. The busier it gets, the more dark this world gets, we're going to need more and more to get alone with Him. And find that place of refuge, that place of refreshing. Then, get into the right position. It says, he heard the voice of one speaking from off the mercy seat. Um, 
and, and really the right position is just to bow before Him, to bow before the mercy seat, to understand I'm unworthy. I shouldn't even be allowed in this place, but I see blood on the mercy seat, and it's not mine. It's the Lamb of God. And He did what I couldn't do. And because of His blood, I've been given access. That causes me to come in. It makes me just sometimes just want to lay on the floor before Him. And Lord, I'm unworthy to be here, but Lord, thank You. I don't deserve this. That should be my blood. But it wouldn't have been good enough. So you, you put your blood on it. And it's because of that blood I'm here. You're speaking with me. I have access to you. When you come that way, it's a broken, it's a contrite heart. It's understanding who I am, yet who He is. But yet, He's given me access. He looks upon that one. His gaze comes upon you. And you can gaze up at Him in that place. He's made a new and living way. I read this earlier. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by how? The blood of Jesus. When I spoke during the worship, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me because I know what some of you go through. I know how we feel sometimes when we come to church. We feel like we're not worthy. We feel like because I got mad before I got to church, I can't enter into worship. We feel like because we blew it on Friday. Now we're at church, we can't enter into worship. And I, I'll never forget, um, I forget who said it to me now, but they said, I don't care if you feel like the devil himself. You can repent. And the blood of Christ will give you instant access into His throne, into His presence. You don't have to come in this building and sit on the outside. I don't care what you feel like. I don't care what you've done. If it wasn't for the blood of Christ, none of us, none of us could enter His presence. So when you come before Him, you come in the reality of that, but you also come in faith. Pleading the blood. Thanking Him for the blood. Thank You, Lord, for the blood that's given me access, Lord. And I'm turning to you now, God. And Lord, I need to be cleansed again. But I thank you. Your blood never loses its power. It's permanent. I have access to it. When I do fall short because you already fulfilled it all for me. By his blood, a new and living way he consecrated for us through the veil. That is, His flesh. His flesh was torn and made a way for us. Having a high priest over the house of God, therefore let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You know, the devil will convince you you can't repent. The devil will convince you you can't enter in. But God is faithful. God is faithful. And if you turn to him in faith, he's faithful to cleanse you. If you confess your sins, he's faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Lastly, 
get into the right disposition. He heard the voice of one speaking from off the mercy seat. He had a listening attitude. It kind of goes along with what I said earlier. Sometimes we're so preoccupied with what we want to tell Him. (laughs) You ever want to just tell God a lot? Well, a lot of times He wants to tell us something. And sometimes we have to get into the right disposition so we can hear what He wants to say. The voice of one speaking off the mercy seat. Sometimes it's not heard because we don't expect it. Oh, He's not going to speak to me. But yet He's promised, I will speak to you. I will make my words known to you. Let us enter the closet. Let us, with a heart that's willing to humble itself, wait to hear God speak. In Exodus 33, Moses said to the Lord in verse 12, um, let me just preface this before I read it. You and I can't do anything without Him. And unless we have His presence in us, unless we have His presence in our midst, nothing will be accomplished. And this is what's going on here in this discourse in Exodus 33.12. It says, Moses said to the Lord, See, You say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. This is a good way for us to pray. How much more can we pray this prayer because of what Jesus did for us? And He said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then He said, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Now, I'll give you a little secret. I pray through these meetings, and the way I pray is, Lord, if you're not going to be there, then there's no point in us even meeting tomorrow. If you're not going to be in our midst, what is the point? That's basically what he's saying, because he understands if God's presence isn't there, isn't going before them, nothing's going to happen. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? How is the world going to know? How are people going to know that maybe walk through these doors? Or how are people going to know maybe out there in the highways and byways if God's presence isn't here working in our midst? Affecting our lives in such a way that His glory shines when we leave this place or shines when we're here gathered in His name. So we will be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And then He said, please, show me your glory. And then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Again, it's in that secret place we come to know him. That's where he gives us what we need. When we leave this place, when we leave that place, when we go out 
into the highways and byways. That's where He gives us what we need. Moses understood his need for God's presence to be with him. Our privilege is greater than Moses. I want you to really think about that. When we read those verses, our privilege is greater than what Moses had. God was making that so real to me last night. It was so real to me, I couldn't even express it in human words. I just kind of wept in awe that he would give me such access to him. That he would even want to reveal himself to me in that way. I was in utter awe. For us, every place is a tabernacle. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But again... We need to find a place. And really, that's what I believe the Lord is saying to us today. You need to start making a place for God. I know some of you, I know most of us have disciplined ourselves to have a prayer time, a time with the Lord. Um, But even that sometimes becomes something God did not intend it to be. This is talking about something more than just reading my allotted scripture for the day and, you know, making sure I pray my list. There's something more God wants to bring us into. That's good. We need to be reading our scriptures. We need to be praying for people. But God is looking for something deeper. God is wanting to draw us in to something deeper. Something that takes effort. Something that takes some of our time. Something that we have to plan for. Just like I'm sure Moses had a plan for those times. Even throughout the day, through his busyness, he was thinking about when he would be with God, when he would go into that tabernacle. That should be our heart. That should be our passion. We should always be thinking about, when can I be with him? When can I get alone with him? And when we have those times, we run to that place. So I want to encourage you this morning. Respond when you feel God tugging you. We all know in our hearts we're not giving Him the time we should. We all know there has to be more. And God is saying today to all of us, come, the way has been made open for you. Don't neglect the new and living way He has made for you. You need to be in that place with Him. He has things He wants to impart to you. He has things He wants to reveal to you. He has instructions for you. He has things He wants to pour into your life in that place. And what will happen is, when we come together, there will be more of Him. There will be more of His presence. Because when we leave our homes, when we've been doing that throughout the week and we come together as a body, we bring that with us. We bring the things He has given to us in that place. And then it builds one another up. And and really, at the end of Hebrews, it talks about that. I'll just finish with this. It's kind of what we're going to be looking at tonight when we get together. at the end of those verses I read. Verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now here's where it impacts all of us. And let us Consider one another 
in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We see in the book of Acts that they did this all the time. They were constantly praying, spending time together, exhorting one another, encouraging one another. It was the normal practice of the early church. They understood the value of the access they had been given to God. He's made a new and living way for us. I'm going to finish really just by um, offering if there's anyone here you don't know him maybe you've attended church maybe you've even prayed a prayer at one time in your life but this doesn't make sense maybe or this doesn't seem real to you or too good to be true that the God of the universe actually wants to commune with you and wants you to bring you into a relationship with him, wants to reveal himself to you. God is inviting you to turn to Jesus this morning. He's inviting you to simply trust in what He has already done for you. You don't have to go through all the rigmarole that they used to go through in the Old Testament. It's simple now. You have to understand, first and foremost, that there's nothing you can do to approach this holy God. Your sin, your best righteousness, will not be a proper covering for you to enter in. To his presence. But if you will acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you're not righteous, that you don't know him the way you heard about this morning, God is calling you this morning. He's, he's saying, Come to me, just like he did during our worship time. Come to me, just confess your sins. Let me take your sins. I've already paid the price for it. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. And I'll bring you into that holy place. And I'll begin to reveal my heart to you. So I'm going to ask Josh to uh, play that song. Uh, take me into the holy of holies. And if there's anyone here this morning... Either you're not sure or you've never really turned to Christ and never really put your faith in Him. You've never experienced cleansing for sin. You've never entered into that relationship that He wants with you. He's inviting you to come. And you just need to humble yourself. You just need to acknowledge that you need what He did for you. And He will come into your life cleanse you and he'll come and live inside of you and you'll have access to him anytime Holy Spirit I just pray right now you would tug at hearts I pray Holy Spirit you would open up the understanding help anyone here Holy Spirit convict where conviction is needed. God, I pray you would bring light where there's darkness, Lord. I pray you will open blind eyes. Lord, I pray you would break the spirit of religion, a false covering, Lord, that would not be sufficient, Lord. I pray that none here, Lord, would live their life and in the end realize that you never knew them 
they never really put their faith in You. They never really entered into You, Lord. They fell for a false gospel. They fell, Lord, for a religious system. They don't know You. God, I pray You would reach into their hearts today. God, I pray the Holy Spirit would draw hearts this morning. Bring them into the reality, Lord, of what You have done. Bring them into the salvation, Lord, that angels desire to look into, Lord. God, soften hearts this morning, God. Soften hearts, Lord. And help us, Your people, Lord. Help us to grasp, Lord, the heights, the depths of Your love, the magnitude of what You've done, Lord. I pray, Lord, You would draw us, Lord, more and more out of this world, Lord. Help us, God, to find that place To make room for You, Lord. To come out of this world, Lord. To redeem our time for You, Lord. To let You reveal the things You want to reveal about Yourself to us, Lord. To bring us into that inner sanctuary with You, Lord. Help us, Lord. We need Your help, Lord. I pray for anyone here today. You feel stuck. You feel like you're trapped. You feel like you're on a treadmill and you don't know how to get off. Step off today. Just step off and come to Jesus. He's calling you. He's made a way. He's given you access. He's given you access. We need you to do it, Lord. We need you to open our eyes to this reality in a greater way, Lord. We need your help, God. We're still so earthly bound, Lord. Help us to be caught up with you. Help us to be drawn away with you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We want to be a reflection of your glory in the earth, Lord. We want to know you the way you want us to know you, Lord. Help us to turn to you, Lord. Help us to make time for you. You're calling us, Lord. You're wooing us. I pray, Lord, the Holy Spirit would not let up, Lord. I pray you would call us in the night watches. I pray your hand would be upon us, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would wake us up. I pray you would give us ears to hear your voice, Lord. And I, God, I pray that we would respond. I pray we would open the door. I pray we would go into that place with you, Lord. And as we do, Lord, I pray for this body. I pray for all those that are responding to you, Lord, that you would manifest yourself, that you would begin to speak in ways that they have not heard you before, Lord, that you would begin to give instruction and wisdom I pray, God, that You would give empowerment in that place, Lord. We need You, Lord, in this hour. We need You, Lord. The need is so much greater, really, than in Moses' day. How much more now, Lord, do we need to enter into that holy place with You, Lord? So I pray, Lord, You'd help us. Help us to set our gaze upon You. Lead us to that place, I pray, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord.
great as we prepare for tonight. Um, you'd help us today as we leave this place to just stay in a, an attitude that would focus on you, Lord. I pray uh, we bring your presence back here with us later, Lord. And I'm trusting you, Lord, to lead and guide us later as well, Lord. You're wanting to do so much more, Lord, and I pray you would just uh, help us, Lord. I don't know what else to say, but just help us, Lord. We need much grace, Lord. So I pray your grace would go with each one here this morning, Lord. And that we would make time for you, even this afternoon, Lord. We would enter into that place with you, Lord. Thank you, God. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, to know you, to hear your voice.